0: Hey there, and welcome to Speaking of Sex, the podcast. I'm your host, Autumn Morris. Speaking of Sex, the podcast is based on sexuality education, exploring sex, love, and relationships in the hopes of happier, healthier, and juicier connections. Let's talk sex talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Speaking of Sex. Today's guest is probably the best guest that could ever be on Speaking of Sex, and actually the inventor of the name Speaking of Sex, my mom, Gwen. Hey, everybody, I'm Gwen. Um, introduce
1: yourself. Tell us what you want us to know about you. Well, I'm 54 years old, I have a beautiful, intelligent daughter. <laughs> Um, I work as a paralegal in a law firm. I work in retail as a cashier at night. So I'm working all the time. All the time. All the time. All the jobs. And when I'm not working, I'm at home working. So she's a hustler. I do it. I do it all.
0: (laughs) So today I wanted to talk about a slew of different topics, specifically toxic relationships, dating, online dating, um, and dating for someone who is more mature, like yourself. (laughs) More mature. That's me. (laughs) Someone who is in um, an older (laughs) age group than myself and just honestly get a perspective of, You know, what does dating look like for you, especially after, you know, the different relationships that you've been in? And also talk about deal breakers as someone who has probably honed and decided a very clear vision of what you're willing to put up with and not put up with. You know, what deal breakers have you come across? What red flags are you now looking for that you weren't hip to when you were younger?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. So we're so glad to have you here. Thank you. First, I want to just kind of, like, give them a brief history with whatever you're willing to share about, like, your relationships, how you feel about relationships. Are you, like, a, are you into relationships? Are you a really loving person? Are you just kind of, like, one of those people that if you have one, you have one. If you don't, you don't. Um, if you want to talk about your love language, just anything you're willing to share about yourself as a lover.
1: Okay. Um... I'd like to start off by saying that I think each one of us, um, as we're growing up, we, we have our parents as models. Mm -hmm. So we see their marriage and they, we see their relationship and we see their personalities and we may or may not model ourselves after that, but we might look for some of those characteristics in a partner. Mm -hmm. So I suppose, my father was was a wonderful father so I was always looking for that wonderful mate who would be very much like my father mm-hmm. so back in the day instead of a narcissist we called uh my dad a ham mm-hmm. so you know I don't I don't know that that coin that term was coined back in the day uh, a million years ago <laughs> but um, now it's it's known as a narcissist and that's a sliding scale and he was on the nicer side of being a narcissist he did enjoy being the center of attention he was always the MC of uh, many of our family reunions all of our family reunions um, and so he relished being in the spotlight um, so I guess I was going to be attracted to any characteristics that he might show so my first husband really was a blind date, um, set up by one of my good friends, and he and I ended up getting married within a year. Um, my father hired him to work for him at his business. Husband number one had a very good work ethic. He was a very good manager, and I will say that about him. He he was wonderful about that, still is. Um, And we had a daughter from that relationship and divorced after about six years. So the toxicity in that relationship was he was a compulsive liar, Mm. deal breaker, and he had a lot of narcissistic qualities. What do I mean by that? He would think of himself first before anyone else, including Mm. our child. Wow. So, um... That was relationship number one. I have a question about that one.
0: Okay. Um, Because you mentioned how you were looking for characteristics similar to your father. Do you think the fact that he worked for your father had anything to do with that or was relative to, like, you know, your father's approval? Do you think that
1: drew you to him in any way? When we were, I think, just dating... My father hired him to manage his stores, and eventually he became general manager of three stores.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yes, my father's approval of him made a huge difference in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that he had a job and had a car and supported himself, lived on his own. Um, all of those things attracted were attractive to me. Mm-hmm. So um, those were things that were important to my father. To make sure that he would be a good provider right and husband number one was so but it it did have its downfall he did end up cheating long long laundry list there yeah but it's you know that was the end of that
0: right <laughs> thank you next
1: <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so husband number two husband number two i still think of as the love of my life he was the polar opposite of number one. He had a very soft-spoken radio voice <laughs> that I was always attracted to. So I heard his voice um, over the phone, you know, calling up a particular business um, long before I ever laid eyes on him. And um, when I finally met him, I was already half in love with him because he was just so kind, so personable, and just had that voice very similar to my father. No, they're characteristic. My father had his own radio show and had that voice. So, very, voice was very, very important to me. So, I met husband number two, finally. But that was it. We immediately started dating. And after a year, that seems to be my benchmark, <laughs> after a year, we got married. Mm-hmm. And we were blissfully happy for about 15 years. And then found out some things. Um, husband number two was not a narcissist, not at all. Polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Thinks of everyone else except himself. Mm-hmm. It was not toxic. It just um, it did not work out there at mm-hmm. the end. But we had two beautiful children.
0: Any red flags or anything, or deal breakers that came out of you know that relationship? It wasn't toxic, like you said. But It
1: wasn't toxic. And the one one thing that I can say is that we had, a, we had time to become best friends before we got married. We were, we were very good friends for a long time. We'd known each other a while, but only dated for about a year. Mm-hmm. And um, when you give that time to become best friends, that relationship has a, a much higher chance of lasting.
0: Yeah. So is that something you'd like to mirror in a future relationship? less of a deal breaker and more of a like, this is
1: a standard. Definitely a standard. You need that time to get to know one another. Um, don't see myself having a future relationship, but we'll cover that (laughs) in just a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Husband number three. When my marriage broke down from husband number two, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was incapable of anyone actually loving me. Um, I had very low self-esteem even to begin with Um, so I was surprised and flattered when husband number three um, showed me any attention and then would tell me he loved me and tell me that I was pretty or you know all the things that we want to hear Mm -hmm. and I mistook that for love Yeah, that affection that you needed in that time. It was. And he was Mr. Rebound. Yeah. You know, and I jumped into that relationship way too quickly and was um, hoodwinked, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Wool pulled over my eyes, fooled. Yeah. um, Deceived, whatever you would call it. He was. Uh, you guessed it, a narcissist. I know, that was a shocking revelation there. So we went from narcissist to polar opposite, back to narcissist. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see it coming. I can't explain it.
0: Can you expand more on, like, I know there's a laundry list of deal breakers that came from that particular relationship. Yes. But, but for the people
1: who don't have, you know. Um, okay, red flags. conflict. Boys and girls, listen closely. If the person that you're seeing begins sentences most of the time with I or my, me, mine, Mm -hmm. anything having to do with himself or herself, that's a red flag. Yeah. If you open your mouth to tell your significant other how your day went, And you barely even get started before that other person takes over the conversation and tells you all about himself or herself. Mm -hmm. Red flag. Red flag.
0: Right. So he just wasn't very concerned with you as a
1: person or a being. His concern with me is that having me on his arm made him look better. Mm. People say that narcissists are usually almost always good looking, not necessarily so. Mm-hmm. There can be this entire facade of what they want to be. I would have to say that there's this whole personality of, of who they want themselves to be. And they hide behind that. And anything that would glamorize that personality, such as a wife or a husband, um, Is important. So he insisted. I remember early on in the marriage, I mean, early on in the relationship, he wanted to get married. Mm. I mean, like after a few weeks of dating. Oh, wow. And I remember being very surprised by that. Yeah. So I mistook that as someone being deeply in love with me instantly. Yeah. Um, Bear in mind, this was someone I knew from high school, but when he left high school he moved to a different state and um a lot of things happened in those many many years since high school Mm -hmm. please don't do the math
0: (laughs) right so red flags for you would just be you know the
1: uglier end of narcissistic qualities definitely that, you know, I'm anti narcissist mm-hmm. right now and also an expert on the subject. <laughs> I, I have about 20 books, I've read about a million articles trying to figure out what was wrong. Why, why is this? What is going on? Why is this man acting this way? Mm-hmm. And when I googled enough times, it the results kept coming up narcissism, yeah, or NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
0: So, you mentioned you were hoodwinked. Um, can you expand a little bit more on that? Was he different at the beginning, or did you just see him differently, or what was the deal?
1: He was very different at the beginning. He, you know, we always show our best selves to someone we're interested in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once we signed that paper and we're married, you can kind of relax a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. he did a lot. I remember the day we got married, he went into hiding and didn't say a word, didn't speak to anybody. And I got concerned and texted him and asking him if he was okay. And his response was, he didn't want to say or do anything to make me change my mind. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep, yep. So getting married was extremely important to him because that was an accomplishment to have me. He was not very good looking and I have to say, I'm not beautiful, but i First the fuck of all. Roll that the fuck back.
0: You're beautiful. We'll I'm, leave it I'm at a, that. I'm on a different level than he is. I'll, I'll put it that <laughs> his way. His level. So, would, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that was a complimentary thing to have me on his arm. People would also ask me privately, how did you end up with him?
0: Mm.
1: How did I end up with him? Basically, to be honest, rebound, low self esteem, and the big kicker of my life. And this is, if I had to write an autobiography, this would be the title I was desperate to be loved.
0: Mm. Mm. And that, but like I said, that's valid because. Like you said, you were off the heels of a 15-year love that wasn't toxic, you yeah. know? And that, I feel like that's the hardest relationship to rebound from because it's easy to hate someone. It's easy to, you know, blame, it, blame them and, you know, get upset and block them and all that other stuff. But when it's not like that, mm-hmm. when you don't have a reason to hate them, it just really It just wouldn't work. You just have different desires and and different outlooks on, you know, what your future looks like. That's so difficult. Yes. Because it's like, you don't, all that you feel is sadness. You don't have that anger to distract you from the sadness. So it's valid that, you know, you needed that to fill the void because just sitting and feeling the void of that sadness is so fucking hard. Yeah. Because my last relationship was like that, too. You know that. My last relationship was probably the only relationship that was not ended on bad terms. You know, to the point where, you know, he was my best friend. And Mm -hmm. we're still really good friends. And we'll always have love for each other. But we just had different algorithms and different... Outlooks on life, and it was a really difficult decision to be like, Hey, we just need to stop wasting each other's time. But it's also a weird transition because I'm sure, especially for you, because you had kids together, so you can never not have him in your life. Right. You never get that space to just be like, Okay you know, break clean. I'm just going to not speak to him ever again and just be able to readjust to life without him. You'll always have to interact with him and you interact with him daily. So I'm sure that mending while being in the face of, you know, he wasn't necessarily the one that burned you, but what you were burned by was, you know, the love that didn't work out for you. Right. Um, that's gotta be really hard. Um, So I feel like it's a human reaction to just be like, okay, I need to fulfill this somehow because you're a fixer as well. You like to just fix things. So, you know, for me, it makes sense that you would be like, okay, I'll just fill this with something else and keep it moving. Right. Um, And I think that also just for rebounds in general, for any person that that. Is, has been a rebound or has had a rebound, um, I think that that makes you blind. Love makes you blind, number mm-hmm. one. But number two, like just coming out of a relationship makes you blind. Yes. And for that reason, one of my deal breakers is I don't want to be with somebody who's just come out of a relationship. Yeah. Because how they view me is going to differ from how they view me six months from now. Because mm-hmm. right now they might view me as a savior because I'm so completely different than what they were dealing with. But down the road they might, you know, as they heal from their wounds they're they're going to change and you know their expectations of me are going to change even if I don't change
1: so yes
0: that's a deal breaker for me is that Mm
1: -hmm. a deal breaker for you or I think so now definitely (laughs) so but but one thing I'd like to interject here Mm -hmm. as far as deal breakers and red flags and you know detecting a toxic relationship is Peace. Do you have peace when you're around that person? Mm, that's a good peace one. Peace in your soul. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable around that person? Or are you walking on eggshells? Mm. Are you tiptoeing around afraid to make that person angry? Yeah. Or desperately trying to please that person? Mm-hmm. Um, the, those, those are red flags and, and bad signs that that is a toxic relationship. Um, you need to be able... To not dread going home. Mm. Going home should be the best part of your day. It should be blissful. It should be peaceful. Yeah. And you should look forward to being around your mate. Right. And that's like really true. And another
0: thing I learned with this last relationship because every other relationship I can think of before that one was toxic. So that was like my normal. You know, I'm like, that's what I expect. I expect to to be, you know, arguing all the time and, you know, having verbal abuse was a norm, you know? But then to be with someone so vastly different who's like just like a cool person to be around and just very peaceful definitely made that a deal breaker for me too. Like, yep. hey, if if you cause me anxiety, I don't have time for you. Exactly. You know? Because I I already have to go through facing the world you know, through daily life as an individual, as a, you know, as a person in the workplace, as a woman, as, you know, um, a service member, I'm already battling the world as yes. it is. I don't yes. need to battle you when I come home. Exactly. I need to be able to unpack my gear, mm-hmm. my battle rattle <laughs> and just be able to reset and recenter and align and stuff like that. So, and, and to have a partner who will listen. Mm-hmm. And, and understand yes and
1: and you know you the same for him or her
0: right you know? absolutely it's definitely a two-way street for yes. sure yes um so now we have got like your background a little bit of my background as far as like toxic relationships and a little bit on on our deal breakers now I want to kind of talk about like what dating looks like for you now as someone who is separated from and has gone through a slew of, you know, monumental and pivotal relationships. Yes. That have shaped you into the lover that you are today. Right. Um, what is what is dating and love and all that other stuff look like to you in your future? Like what place does that hold in your life at this moment and
1: maybe five years from now? Right now, I can say definitively. I am not interested in any kind of partner at all. Mm -hmm. There is a wall up, Mm -hmm. and that's a defensive wall. Whether it will drop or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But my choices have not been good choices, and I don't trust my judgment. And I've discovered, and this is interesting,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I've discovered I'm very happy by myself.
0: Hmm. I guess you never really got that space to be by yourself because never. the first time you got married you were 19. Yes. You're 19 and yes. then how long was it in between husband number 1 and number 2?
1: 3 or 4 years. But I I did date during that time. Mhm. Um, and then the space between husband 2 and 3 was just a matter of months. Mhm. So you've spent
0: the majority of your life... Being married. Right. Being I was going to say with a partner, but being married is also factual. Yes. So now you're getting this space to probably relearn yourself and rediscover yourself exactly. as an individual. Yes. And that's crucial and critical. Do you plan to spend this time to expand yourself and, um, learn more about yourself as a lover? Cause you mentioned you make bad decisions. Right. Um, do you plan to like evaluate, you know, where those bad decisions are coming from? Or are you just content being alone?
1: Right now I'm content being alone, but I'm also studying, you know i mentioned i had a whole bunch of books i'm reading articles i'm reading trying to figure out how did i get to that place in my life where i stepped right into a relationship and didn't even see it coming yeah you know so learning more about my background and and who how i became who i am and i guess for the future I don't know if I'll ever have another partner, but I'll be much better prepared.
0: Right. Because you have all these yes
1: these deal breakers and red flags and all
0: that other stuff. Now, I know you just said that you don't plan to be with anybody anytime soon. But if some person were to come sweep you off your feet, what does that person look like? Like, not physically. Well, physically too, but like, what does the ideal person look like to you at this moment?
1: Um, physically, I guess he would look like my father. That's mm-hmm. a shocker.
0: <laughs> but that's a common theme for yeah. most women, yeah. for a lot of women, including
1: myself. My college boyfriend, the one I always call the one who got away, looked very much like my dad, which is why I noticed him. mm mm-hmm. um, Very good looking, um, shorter in stature, about my stature, um, dark hair, dark eyes, big smile. hmm And happy. Happy all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's who we would be. Do you
0: find that... You mentioned that you look for characteristics that you found in your father. Mm -hmm. Do you look for characteristics that you didn't find in your father that you wanted from your father?
1: Probably physical touch more than anything. My father would hold my hand, but I usually had to initiate that... He would kiss me on the forehead. He would um, say our prayers with us at night, read us stories. Um, But he grew up in that generation. He was born in 1923. He grew up in in a generation where, with six sisters, mind you, (laughs) where any kind of saying I love you or hugging was, he would call it sissy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was not a masculine type thing to do, so he didn't do it. Right. The first time he ever said that he loved me was after his first heart attack after I was grown up. Wow. We would say, I love you, Daddy, and he would say, same here. mm And I grew up not knowing any differently. Yeah. But I understood, so that didn't take away from it. Now, my... If I ever have another partner, he had better say I love you. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you're looking for, you know, that physical aspect and that reassurance. Yes. Like words of affirmation. Definitely. So would that be your love language as of now? Would be would that be physical touch and words of affirmation or as far as giving or receiving. Either. Both. All of the above. <laughs> I
1: I think I do I give love in all the categories, I believe, um, at one time or another. Um, And I receive it um, probably in acts of service and words of affirmation Mm -hmm. would be first and then physical touch and quality time gifts not, not so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: interesting so have you seen your love
0: languages change throughout your relationships or have they always been that way
1: um, I think they've changed over time I, I, I truly believe they they have um, physical touch used to be extremely important I needed that hugging and loving and um, hand holding and snuggling that I didn't have at home Mm-hmm. My mother never hugged me. My father didn't hug me. Um, so when I started dating, I looked for that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, now it's not quite as important. why? I have two lovely grandchildren that I hug and kiss and hold hands with and stuff like that and and my children. so it's not a desperate need anymore. i I can get affection in other places words of affirmation husband number three was a he was a silver-tongued devil mm. he, he would say those words and there'd be nothing behind them so those don't mean none, anything anymore right so that's changed mm-hmm. um gifts has moved up a little bit if anybody wanted to <laughs> you know drop, drop me some benjamins that'd be great Well, will make <laughs> you a go me here we go go fund mom <laughs> Venmo,
0: PayPal, Cash App,
1: all accepted. I have no idea what any of those things
0: are. <laughs> we'll make them for you. It'll be fine. Okay. So you brought up a very interesting topic, how your desire for affection or the way that you receive affection has changed as you've had children and, and grandchildren at this point. Yes. Um, I think that's very important to point out because... Um, That makes sense, number one. Um, Number two, because it just shows the different avenues in which we, we receive affection. I think a lot of times when we think of love, we think of it as just like, one little box that contains everything and all the different types of love that we can have when really it's con it's it's separated and compartmentalized with the four types of love i think i've shared with you before um about the different types of love where you have agape which is like the type of love that you have for everyone it's a godlike general love how beyonce loves her fans so then you have Phileo love, which is the type of love that you have for your friends. And essentially it's like agape love except with a sense of, of loyalty and common ground. Right. You don't necessarily have to have common ground to have agape love, but you do to have phileo love. And then you have storage love, which is your familial love, which is your, you know, your sense of tribe mm-hmm. um, and connection. And then lastly, Eros love, which is like a combination of the prior three plus, you know, romance and um, erotic feelings, sensual feelings. Um, So you mentioned how, you know, when you were younger, you needed physical touch. And as you got older and you had people to fill the spaces of phileo and storage love as well. Um, your love language changed which I think is important to to point out because I think that's just kind of the evolution of a lover because right now I'm experiencing that that you were you're talking about as as a young person needing to be loved and touched and stuff like that right Um, but I'm sure as I I age as well and I have kids and I have grandkids the more affection that I'm i'm experiencing within my tribe the less that i'll need it from that person i think young people kind of expect their partner to be everything in one and as you get older um not only are you you know getting into spaces where you can not only provide for yourself um but you can, you know, experience connections with other people in unique ways that you don't get the opportunity to do so when you're younger. Um, you just have a lot more going on for yourself. And so your expectations of your partner changes. Right. So I think it's really interesting to see the diversity of what you expect from a partner compared to what I expect, which is, you know, a support or someone who can provide me physical touch and words of affirmation and give you, you know, like right. my expectation is you will give me all of the love languages. Yes. Know? Yes. Um yes. So, I think that was just really cool cuz I yeah. never really thought about it that way cuz I I've, I've always been a believer that um the love languages do change. Um if for no other reason than, you know, your experience with them with a certain partner and once you leave that relationship, how you view that love language may change just by, you know, how you received love from that person. Was right. it good or was it bad? If it was good, I'm sure your love language will stay that way. If it was bad, then you'll change it or you'll adjust. Yeah. Um as well as how you change will change how you receive love, but it's also cool to see how it changes with, you know, with factors that are outside of a romantic relationship.
1: And hopefully as you change, your partner changes and grows with you mm-hmm. in the same direction. Correct. As opposed to the opposite direction. This is true. Yes. <laughs> you want to be growing together.
0: So given your experiences and your the way that you've evolved as a lover, what would you tell your younger self, you know, the young version of Gwen that's just entering, you know, the world of romance and partnership and all of that, what would you want her to know
1: based off of what you've learned through your experiences? First of all, I would tell a younger me or anyone out there listening, you are enough Mm -hmm. all by yourself. You are absolutely enough. You are perfect as you are. You don't need a partner but maybe you want a partner, Mm -hmm. okay? So if you make that decision to want a partner, what I suggest and what I would tell myself is take the time to really get to know that person. And even if it's two or three years into the relationship and you're, you're getting to know this person, you find out some things, that were maybe some of those red flags we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Don't say, "Well, we've been together three years, four years now, or longer. We just need to get married." No, don't do that. Right? Don't do that. When you figure out that it's the wrong person, you don't have the peace. You know, you you figure out this person is toxic for whatever reason. Get out. Mm-hmm. Get out. So um, also. That person that you're with needs to have his or her own job, his or her own transportation, and does not need to be sponging off of you for anything. Does not need to be relying on you for his or her um, material needs. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to be individuals first before you can become one. Mm -hmm. So, you know... My father always thought it was very important for my husband, future husband, to have a job. hmm Very important. Make sure you have peace. Make sure your partner is not taking rather than give and take. Well, you mentioned,
0: the first thing that you mentioned was that you're enough um, and not to settle. And I think that's um, very important to draw attention to because someone said to me one time, and it's always stuck with me that humans are, are more comfortable being uncomfortable than we are making the needed changes to become comfortable. Um, and I think, well, in, in the conversation of, you know, consent, we always talk about, um, enthusiastic consent, you know, consent is not valid unless it is enthusiastic you know if the person is like ah or you know i'm not sure that's Mm -hmm. not consent no it's not um and i think the same thing goes for love if you're thinking of this person um you should be enthusiastic about oh i definitely want to be with them you know i i definitely want to marry them you know it shouldn't be like a it makes sense or you know why not or you right. know no one else will love me it should be enthusiastic um and that should be reciprocated it should absolutely your your intuition is very telling even oh, yes. though we try to ignore our intuition and we may not have logic to back up our intuition at times it is very telling. And a lot of times if you have any doubts at any point of time, you may be able to stifle them for a little bit, but they will resurface as resentment.
1: They will.
0: In the future. And in, it, I feel like a lot of people are stifled, including myself I, in the past. I've been stifled by the fact of, I don't have, you know, he didn't do anything wrong or they didn't do anything wrong. So I have no reason to leave them. They're a good person. You know, they treat me well. But if you are not in alchemy with them right then and you're not excited about being with them and spending the rest of your life with them right. then you need to reconsider and it doesn't mean you don't need to be with them. Maybe you just need to rework some, some things and, you know, reconnect in certain ways. But as you were saying, you know, just to a young person, don't settle. Especially because you you have so much time ahead of exactly. you. And I think a lot of times, I mean, I've even felt the pressure of, you know, I need to find somebody. Because everybody around me is getting married and having babies and all this other stuff that my life is just not set up for right now exactly just not allowing that pressure to to make you settle into something that is not right for you like you were talking about with husband number 3 where where the conditions and and the outside factors allowed you to settle into something that was toxic for you yes
1: you know and that is not worth it and it we, we were rushed mhm so again take the time and let that enthusiasm see if that lasts Mm -hmm. the enthusiasm yes let's get married yes we're in love yes we want to be together all the time see how long that lasts you know Mm -hmm. give it six months a year two years three years Mm -hmm. and make sure that that stays there This has been super enlightening, and I'm really glad that you decided to join us
0: today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you are a fan of my other podcast um, called Lifestyle by Most Styles, I'm sure that you've heard of Mom. She loves you. Mama Bear loves you always. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Make sure that you check out the show notes for all of the links to Instagrams and articles and other podcasts that you may be interested in.
1: You want to say bye? I do. Remember you're enough. Remember mama bear loves you. It's gonna be okay. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.